Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Would you pray with me? Again, Father, we acknowledge you and gather together in the name of your Son, Jesus, to receive from you. You gave us your Son, and he gives us the life of the Spirit. You are the giving God. We ask that you would give to us this morning, that we would hear something particular that helps each one of us from young to old, that each of us would hear a spark, something that would bring that life in the Spirit uh, to fan it into flame and to let that flame grow bright and hot this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm sorry you can't see this any better. Um, uh, This is an old, old Rembrandt painting. As a matter of fact, Rembrandt, who is known mostly for doing portraits, uh, this is the only seascape that he did. Um, By the way, he painted more self-portraits than any of the other classic painters we know. He did over 90 of them. So I don't know if it was because he was taken with himself or if he just had a like one one of those struggles with a self-image or what, but he painted himself a lot. What's really interesting, any of you the the fans of the Blacklist, that program, have watched it? Anybody? You watch Blacklist? Yeah? Well, this painting was highlighted in Blacklist. The reason it was highlighted is because it literally, literally, in fact, was stolen in 1990 by a professional group of thieves who took it from a gallery in Boston, and they haven't recovered it. Now, if you know where it is, there's still a reward of about $5 million. Uh, let's you know how much this painting is worth. The painting, the painting is priceless, yes. And I, I don't know if uh, Raymond, what's his name? Redmond? I don't know if Raymond Redmond has it or not, but they sure played off it in that program. And it's actually a very famous painting in the sense of that it was talked a lot about because it's directly a reflection of scripture and the scripture that was used. And uh, it captures the disciples in various conditions in the midst of a violent and sudden storm on the Sea of Galilee. So we'll come back to the painting, but let's jump ahead to the scripture so you can look at what we're going to talk about this morning. So this is in Luke chapter 8. And it says, Now it happened on a certain day that he, Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples. Just any old day, just a certain day. And he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where's your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying one to another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. 
they were as much afraid after as before over what he had done. Um, I'll describe it uh, since you can't, it, it doesn't show up very good. It's just too dark. I tried to lighten it off the internet and I couldn't get it and I apologize for that. So I'll tell you what they're doing. One guy clings to the mast with a, with a piece of blanket or something wrapped around it trying to hang on for dear life. Uh, a couple of them are desperately adjusting the rigging as though that's going to do anything in that storm. Uh, one is vomiting over the side of the boat. One desperately hanging on to the rudder in the back. You can't see that, I'm sorry. He looks really scared. Um, the ones that are sitting a little bit further out from Jesus are listening, but they're clearly listening with watching the storm as it blows against the, the bow of the boat. A couple of them sit closer to Jesus. Two seem to be pleading with him, each in his own way, in the back of the boat. The one right beside him, obviously concerned, but just stares directly into the eyes of Jesus. Um, the other one is Rembrandt, who painted himself as one of the disciples, staring, I don't know if you can see it, but it's the guy in the little turquoise. He is staring back at the rest of us with his eyes beckoning, look at this picture. Um, he wants you to see something there. Um, and with that look, we're supposed to look at all of the disciples and what they're doing and what they're not doing, remembering that Jesus said, where's your faith? That he asked them a question, not in a rebuking way. He just said, where's your faith? I think Rembrandt artfully captured a very profound truth, and I've had many people over the past few weeks talking to me about Fear, anxiety, pain, anger, uh, deep concern over the land that we live in to personal concerns and things that they're going through and the, and the very real, not that the others aren't, very real traumas in life. And, uh, you know, I've tried to, through the years, I guess, be a good pastor but more a good friend than anything and listen and pray with them and pray for them and fear is a horrendous thing isn't it um, I don't know of anybody who's gone through life and hasn't had something to fear the apocryphal I don't know how accurate it is but it, the apocryphal stories about Ernest Hemingway is that one of the first phrases he learned as a as a toddler was and he would walk around the house with his hand on his hips going, ain't afraid of nothing. Yes, he was. He was afraid of life, as we know, when he was an older man and took his own and couldn't navigate things. And just saying, I'm not afraid, doesn't make fear go away. Have you noticed that? It just doesn't, you know, I guess we call it whistling past the graveyard or something when we're scared. Um, but like, the disciples, we all respond in different ways, and I think that's what Rembrandt was trying to show here. When the storms of life come in, when things don't go the way you think they should, there's all manner of things that you can try and do. But the really smart ones uh, used proximity. Jesus was there, and they drew near. 
There's going to be storms. There's going to be bad storms. Even as Americans and the good American life and the promise of the American dream, there's storms. Has been going on since God first brought people to this land. There's been storms. Storms of government, storms of real life, storms of storms. Wind. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been on the water when a, when a windstorm uh, comes up, but it is frightening. I was with a man one time on San Carlos Lake in Arizona. Now, San Carlos is a little bowl with mountains ringed way on the outside, and you can see the storm coming in, and we were at one end of the lake, and this guy had a 20-foot champion bass boat with a 200-horsepower motor and only a single council, and that means that the other person sitting in the boat has nothing to hang on to. It's just the boat. And he said, storm's coming, we're going to beat it. And he turned the boat around and the thing stood straight up on the bank because he just went, wow. And that scared me worse than the storm clouds that I was seeing coming. We did, however, outrun the storm and we had the boat loaded before it ever started to rain and the wind blow. But man, it was a terrifying ride. <laughs> I think only about that much of the boat was in the water. The rest of it was just motor and propeller going like crazy. And my heart. Sometimes when the storms of life come up, I cling to the mast. Sometimes I vomit over the side. Uh, frantic behavior is not something to be ashamed of or disappointed in in yourself. Whenever fear crops up, do not blame yourself. But there is something you can do. Come back to this word proximity. The best thing that can be done is to get close to Jesus in the boat. To draw very near to God. Most of us, when the storms come, uh, we want an anchor and a, a nice calm beach to settle ourselves with. But really, drawing close to Jesus in the midst of a storm often is you get a life vest put over you. And... Um, the life vest that God has given us, and I want to help because we're going to explore this for a while. What do we do in difficult circumstances? Not just today, for, for the next coming weeks. And there's one thing that we can do, and that's this, apply truth to our lives of what's going on. Um, look at scriptures not as an anchor, but as a life vest. There are, thank God, life vest scriptures that in the midst of a storm, we can get a hold of. We put our arms around it. We read it to ourselves. We pray it over ourselves. We do lean into Jesus. Well, just like in the painting, the first one is Hebrews 12. It starts out in verse 2. Looking unto who? Jesus. Now I want to stir us up by way of reminder. We all know this. It's not that this isn't something you haven't ever heard before in church. But my goodness, the minute you get afraid and want to throw up over the side of the boat, start looking unto Jesus. 
He's the author and finisher of our what? Faith. So faith is this thing of when Jesus asked, where is your faith? He didn't say you don't have any faith. He said, where is your faith? Because the faith came from the author of it, Jesus. I look unto Jesus. Faith is a gift, not something that we can generate out of our own lives. The scripture says to each one, a measure of faith is given. Listen, an atheist, an atheist has faith that there isn't a God. He has to generate lies in his heart to get rid of God, but he's putting faith in the fact that there's not. We put a fact, especially when there's a storm, you put your faith in Jesus. He's the author of it. Who for the joy that was set before him, the storm he went through, this one in the boat, that wasn't even a prelude to what he went through. Because he endured the cross. Despised the shame of it. That means he, he thought it meant nothing to him. And, he, and then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Where is he right now? The throne of God. He's right there. He's not gone any place. If you will, in your boat that's being stormed upon right now, he's enthroned in that boat. Not moving. Still there. Wanting to engage you over what your fears are, what your concerns are, what you don't like, even if the fear comes out in anger. But we're seeing a lot of that in the political and social climate. And we think that we're going to get everything right by bringing justice on the earth. No, we're not. No, we're not. Everything will get right when Jesus returns to the earth. He is the just one and he is the justifier. Our job is to put our faith and our trust in what he's doing. Yes? Please let this be an encouragement to you. Look at Proverbs 3. This is one of the earliest verses I memorize. Um, see if you can shut your eyes and, and, and say it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's called proximity. When it says in the new covenant to draw near to God and he will draw near to you, it's not setting up an equation. It's saying, trust God. What is our faith in? Change circumstances? No. Is it the boats going to protect us in the storm of life? No. We look unto Jesus and our faith and our trust is in who he is. We have to keep that, literally what that is, is an eternal perspective for each of our lives. No matter what storm is battering us, and they can be scary. I don't want to diminish the fact of storms. They can be horrendous. But we trust in the Lord. So earlier this week, I got a phone call from a, an old friend, somebody I've known for almost 20 years, I think, 
who is facing a huge storm. He's here this morning, but I'm going to give his testimony. He's a, he's a little bit shy. And I think it was Tuesday night he called me, and his voice was shaky. I knew something was wrong. And he said, I've got a procedure that's coming up for Thursday, and I want to know if you'll pray for me. I said, sure, what is it? And they had found a mass back last fall. Uh, on his lung and, uh, and then as they watched it through x-rays and the development two more smaller masses showed up in his esophagus and the one in his lung was large enough that they weren't even going to biopsy it they were just going to do the surgery and crack his ribs open and you know, know what they do and it already set him up with oncology and everything and I'd just been studying the promises of the new covenant. And I'd love to tell you that my faith was sky high. Uh, The first thing that went through my head was, oh, Aaron, oh, my God. And such a storm. Uh, It's, you know, it's, it's such a storm when you go through that. Some of you have survived that and you know the storm of it to get that news. And the wind's blowing, and it's raining like hell. And I'm scared to death. He remembers the prayer being powerful. I don't. But I did pray a prayer that stood on the promises of God and what he's given us. And so I prayed for a friend. I prayed about the storm of life, and I prayed that the doctors would be shocked that when he got there for the procedure on Thursday morning that there wouldn't be anything there and that they uh, wouldn't find anything. It would just be over with. So Thursday morning after they had done the, the prep stuff for the day before and then did the final tests and everything again, uh, they canceled the surgery because they couldn't find anything large enough to operate on. (laughs) Stunning. Isn't it stunning? God is so good. Now, does that happen every time there's a storm? No, sometimes we go through the storm. But I'm so grateful that it happened for this one. In this storm. Does God really care? Oh, yeah. Does God really know where each of us are at in a storm of life? Absolutely. He knows. Peter said, and he cares for you. Paul said, oh, his watch cares over you. Hebrews. We've used this scripture a lot lately. And it says this, how do I do proximity? Do I stir my faith up? No, just draw close. Read the word and draw close to Jesus. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. My faith is not that God is going to change all the directions of our land. My faith is that God's going to carry me through this land to my eternal blessing in the city whose maker is God. 
So I live in a different way. I live with full assurance of faith that God's got me. He's got us. Come on. God's got us in this. We can have our hearts, if we think it's something we did or didn't do, and our conscience starts attacking the very fact that he'd removed everything against us, took it out of the way, he says it nailed it to a cross. And when my conscience says, yeah, but not for me, it's for them. Says that we can have it sprinkled with the very fact of what he did. When my conscience and my inner mind says, oh, you fool, you're going to die. He goes, no. I can trust in God. And I can even have the very fact that our bodies are washed. It's symbolic of pure water. I'm clean. Clean before the Lord. In a boat, in a storm, on a lake. I'm clean. He said, let us hold fast this confession of our hope without wavering. Look at this last line. For he who promised if faithful where's your faith not in myself and my own faith but in the one who is faithful even when I'm faithless he's faithful he will be there in every circumstance will he deliver me out of them he'll deliver you into himself because he did that at the cross you're already delivered into him May not make the storm go away. Sometimes I have the authority to tell it to go back. And sometimes that worked and sometimes it didn't. What's the difference? I don't know. But my faith is in Jesus. I can't explain every mystery. I don't understand every mystery. But I can look to the one who is promised. And he's faithful. Isn't that stunning? means he, he won't go to the side of the boat and throw up. He remains faithful. Here's this final scripture. It's one of the more stunning promises of the new covenant. And it's one that we have to go back and we have to remind ourselves, when I get scared, go to Romans 8. When life batters me with a wind that I don't think I can stand up against, go to Romans 8. Verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. It's not written in the future tense. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? 
It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Remember the faithful one? I'm, you know, his prayers are really full of faith because he's the one that answers them. He knows his father and his father knows him. Whew. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword or storm? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're in Him and He's in us. He's in the boat. He has no intention of getting out of the boat and He's not going to throw you overboard. Some storms will have to ride out, but He won't change. Some storms will get delivered from. I wish I could promise you he'll deliver you from every storm, but man, there were some storms he let me go through. And then I found out later it was really needful that I went through them. And I probably learned more about God and myself than if I'd never had the storm. Some of the storms I created, some of the fear was the lies and doubts I believed about myself and then attributed them to who I thought God was. But these scriptures, they were the life vest that he answered with. He wrapped me in a life vest. He'll wrap you in a life vest. He wrapped this man who just got healed in a life vest. Nothing, no, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not one thing. There's other kind of storms. We'll look at them. I want to go over them the next few weeks and look at some other things to remind us what to do. So I want to call the worship team up. But to, today what I want us to remember is that there are scriptures that we can go to and you're not being afraid when you say I'm afraid and you wrap yourself in those scriptures. And when that doesn't work, wrap yourself in another scripture. When that doesn't work, wrap yourself in another scripture. You keep wrapping yourself up in Jesus in the proximity of being close to him, there's no storm in life that can unwrap and unravel that. We tie it around ourselves. We hang on to the cross. We look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith.
You can even take these scriptures, and we'll look at it in the coming weeks, turn them into a song of deliverance for your life. Take a scripture that's not a song and make a song of it. I'm not that talented. Yes, you are. It's faith. Psalm 40 says to sing a new song. When there's a storm, grab a song. If you need an old song, grab an old song. But you can take any of these. You can make a song out of it that it just blows up like a life vest. When it's scary in the night, sing the song. You can do it. Are you persuaded? When you're not persuaded, sing the song. When it still feels like I'm afraid and I want to really just throw up over the side of the boat, sing the song. Keep singing the song. Where's your faith? Sing the song of deliverance. You delivered me. Oh
I belong to you.